Hello and welcome to the AMPT Comics Podcast, episode 176, and we're here recording from the past, 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 yeah. to tell you our favorite comics of the year so far. Yeah, this was a this was a really great idea from Dave to fill in while we're Thanks, man. Uh, while we're we're busy otherwise this weekend. We, honestly, we are recording this on yes. the day that episode yes. 175 drops. So, yes. guys, the hustle never stops. We never sleep. Smash that like button. The hierarchy of power <laughs> in the podcasting community is changing. This podcast is across the nation, Spotify, Amazon, Apple. 75% of the United <laughs> States has enjoyed. <laughs> We're still on that rock I am, skit I am from last week. With, can we put it in the show notes? <laughs> the, the, <laughs> yeah. rock, the rock ad, the Game Awards. It's <laughs> People my, might need it for it's context. It's my favorite thing. Uh, anyway, yes. Speaking of favorite things, we're yeah, going to be man. giving you our top six comics of the year so far. A lot mm-hmm. of people like to do the best of the year so far, uh, which is kind of helpful, actually, when you're trying to do your best of the year list in December, because you're like, what came sure. out earlier in the what year? Did I, what did I say before? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And also, you know, uh, this is just a way to, you know, we, we, we read a lot of comics every week. Yeah. We highlight some of our favorites, but mm-hmm. sometimes there's more than two each week. And now we yeah. get to tell you the, the creme de la creme, and the best of the best. Sometimes we get to sit with a book for a little while and That's let true. it percolate and, yeah, and, yeah. and our appreciation for it grows. We're also, you know, because we're reading so much week to week, sometimes we don't read everything that week. And yeah. I can't tell you the number of times we've recorded an episode and then like two days later, I'll read a mm. book and be like, damn. That would have been my favorite book last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, for instance, Galaxy, The Prettiest Star. We were talking last week. Like, yeah. We hadn't gotten a chance to read it, even though it came out um, three weeks prior. Yeah. And uh, that might have been on our top of the That would have been on our top of the week. 100%. Absolutely. So we're going to count down from six down to one to make you listen to every minute of this episode. Yeah. Not because we get any money from advertising, right. just because I want to get my voice into your ear holes as mm-hmm. much as possible. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's what we're all here for, right? Exactly. So this is a very special episode when we won't be recapping the news or reviewing comics out this week or having a guest. But next week, stay tuned as Christopher Peace joins us to talk about a new book from Heavy Metal Magazine called Entropy. It'll be pretty awesome. Yeah. But to start, let's 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 just get right into it. Our top six comics... We have no crossover here. None. Yeah, that was kind of surprising. I mean, it is funny how often we end up liking the same stuff anyway. So, I mean, oh, honestly, there's a few on your list where I was like, yeah, I, I almost put that on there. Yeah. And now I'm just being difficult. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my sixth choice, uh, yeah. two issues are out so far. It's called Twig from Image Comics. Mm-hmm. It's written by Scotty Young, art by Kyle Strahan. Um, this book, it literally is being compared to Labyrinth and Dark Crystal from yeah. Image Comics, and they are not far off on that. Um, this comic is just great fantasy. It's obviously for all ages. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think younger readers are going to find a message in here. It's starting to become more clear in the second issue what that message is. Don't sleep in, kids. you got to get gotta seize the day. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> but... Ultimately, though, this is my sixth favorite book of the, of the year so far because it's just so good at mm-hmm. creature design and uh, environments and just capturing this fantasy world you've never seen before. And you just want to explore it. You want to just keep reading just to learn more about this world. Absolutely. I mean, I, I'm always I'm always on board for a new Scotty Young book. 
Um, yeah, he's and, been hitting out of the park. Like he's like five for five right now. Oh yeah, I mean the Me You Love in the Dark was like one of my favorite yep. books last year, and then yep. the uh, uh, Kyle Strum's like creature designs in this are yeah. unbelievable. It's like yeah, it, it's a that's a great choice. Uh, Jean Francois, I'm gonna butcher his last name, but Bellu, he um he's done a bunch of Scotty Young projects. Mm-hmm. He did all of his Wizard of Oz books. He colored all of them. I mean. And his colors are just so vibrant and so right yes. for this kind of book, for this all-ages group. Absolutely. And then Nate Picos, who uh, who letters the book, is, is doing some really good, good stuff, too. Like, I, I was noticing in my last review, his word balloons are kind of square. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that's on purpose to help younger readers read the, the dialogue balloons. Because, I don't know, it's just, it keeps this kind of structure to the, the way characters are speaking. Definitely. But yeah, I think uh, I'm really excited to, to just keep reading this series, and uh, I'd love to know what younger readers think too. Yeah, absolutely. It's a uh, it's so cute, and like uh, it was a genuine surprise for me. The second issue just opened up for me. I'm like, okay, yeah. they're going to the freaking moon. Right, Let's right. do this. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sky's the limit. What was your uh, sixth favorite book of the year so far? My sixth favorite book of the year was The Human Target Number 5 by Tom King and Greg Smallwood. Uh, This is, of course, the continuing story of Christopher Chance, uh, the human target, the titular human target, uh, Mm -hmm. trying to figure out who has poisoned him and left him to die. And this issue brings him into conflict with the Martian Manhunter. And uh, this one is just a great character study um, playing out literally between two movements uh, over a dinner table. I mean, the, the issue plays out as a basically a battle inside Christopher's memories where he is misleading the Martian Manhunter trying to, uh, you know, read his mind. So we get his, a bit of Chris's origin story, the reason why he has this fatalistic attitude and maybe a little bit more insight into why he's not so much concerned with the fact that he is going to die as much as he wants to make sure to make the person who killed him pay. Yeah. Um, and it's such a, it's a, it really ties together this entire first arc to the point where like issue six in a lot of ways feels almost like an interlude. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I, I have absolutely adored this series, but number five just really stood out to me as a, as a piece of, uh, interesting, circuitous, uh, intricate storytelling. Nice. Yeah. God, it sucks. There's a hiatus, huh? <laughs> yeah. T- uh, September, right? Or something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. September. Yep. Fuck that. And they're not even releasing the, the collection till then too, I guess for sales reasons. Right. No, that makes sense. I think, yeah, I think the, the first trade's coming out like two weeks before right, number right. seven comes out. Uh, mm-hmm. So, uh, but I, I, that's another book that I recently talked my dad into picking up all the issues so far. Nice. Does he like it? Yeah. I mean, my dad's a huge human target fan. And so I was just like, look, I need you to read this so we can talk about Guy Gardner. (laughs) (laughs) You, me, you read, we go. (laughs) And he's also like, my dad really got me into the, the JLI books back in the day. Yeah. And uh so, uh, so I was just like, this is like 100% made for us to have a conversation about (laughs) That's true. Nice. Very cool. Uh, moving on to our fifth pick. Mm-hmm. I picked X-Men Red number one and number two. Number three is out uh, earlier this week as, as of this recording, but I haven't been able to read it yet. But uh, of all the new uh, Destiny of X launched X-Men books, I think this one is the richest and also has the strongest identity to uh, previous X-Men tales. Mm-hmm. Uh, Al Ewing is writing. Stefano Casali is uh, drawing. It's all set on the moon, of course. Hence, of course. red. 
<laughs> uh, Storm is part of a, a, a on, their own council on Mars. You mean? Yeah, on Mars <laughs> or the Araco people. I should right, say. Right. And uh, Magneto doesn't want to have anything to do with the councils anymore. He's, the Krakoan one totally put him off. Right. But uh, the big cliffhanger in the first issue is that they're going to put together a new uh, anti-X-Men team because there's a right. basically the man, the police, of the uh, uh, are being put together a new X-Men team for Araco that are going to police the people mm-hmm. uh, and not be elected officials like the new Brotherhood of Evil Mutants will be. Right, right. <laughs> and two of those mutants that will be on this team are Storm and, uh, and uh, Magneto, which is pretty badass. So bringing back this Brotherhood idea, you know, this anti-X-Men team makes sense, but it's a good flip on it too because mm-hmm. the X-Men aren't always good or they, they're, the, the team isn't uh, necessarily like, yes, they are, they are good in some cases, but not always. So, you know, fight the man, fight the power, essentially. Right. And uh, there's also some interesting developments with Vulcan, uh, Scott Summers, Cyclops' brother, uh, who has been a bit of a mystery ever since he became God. Right. Basically a God right. killing everybody, right? Uh, so there's some re- rehabilitation going on in there in mm-hmm. some way. Uh, he's becoming much more complex. That's the thing about Al Ewing that's so good. Mm-hmm. He's definitely one of the top three writers in comics right now because he's able to take superior c- uh, comics and elevate them with yeah. psychology and complexity. And, and open up these characters that you've always kind of seen as like side people, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was one of the architects of... Um, what was it? Empire? Um, sure. Yeah. That event two summers ago, I think. And that had deep connections to classic Avengers tales that right. people forgot about. And so not only like a mastermind of like Marvel history, but he has really good ideas. Yeah, absolutely. What was your fifth favorite book of the year? I really loved uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Annual 2022 by Junie Ba uh, with, with colors by Rhonda Pattison. Um, this is a, man, this is a really great issue that works even if you're not following, uh, the current comics closely, which you should because they're great. Um, (laughs) but, uh, this one, uh, takes the turtles to some interesting places. They've all kind of, uh, drifted apart from one another and they're not in sync together and they're mourning the loss of Master Splinter. And so they all get together for a, a, a mission to kind of, you know, go back home and, and, and confront their grief together. And along the way, they are, have to battle this demon that uh, feeds on their sadness and their anger. And uh, it's this, it's a really beautiful story about processing trauma and processing anger and learning not to lash out at the people that are taking, trying to take care of you, who've always been there for you. Um and has some really great references to the, you know, the, the the old Mirage comics. There's some great visual cues that are, you know, t- that talk about how uniform these characters uh, once were before the multicolored uh, bandanas. And uh, I, I just think it's a it's kind of a celebration of the entire franchise's history, but uh, also just a beautifully effective story about uh, brothers finding each other again. The visuals in that book is so good. Gorgeous. I mean, there's a really great fight where they all move as one and they look like they're, they've become one creature. Uh, it's it's oh. without describe, well, you know, without spoiling how it all works. It's a it's a really cool visual. There's they do some in uh, uh, Bob does some wild stuff with shadows in particular in this book. Nice. Very cool. 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I think we, were, we both talked a lot about it when it came out that mm-hmm. week. My uh, fourth... I feel like this should be like a like an ESPN like graphic. Going Number right four. <laughs> Michael Jordan's my fourth pick. Yeah. Uh, greatest basketball player. Time. I mean, like, come on. X-wing at aliciousness. <laughs> no, uh, I'm going with Wonder Woman Historia: The Amazons Number Two by Kelly Sue DeConnick, Gene Ha, and uh, Colors by Wesley Wong. Um, yeah. So this is an, an interesting pick. When I first picked it, I was like, oh, the first two issues came out this year. But no, actually, the first issue came out many months ago. Oh, uh, wow, with, yeah. With Phil Jimenez on art. It's obviously taking a long time because not only is this um, extra large because yeah. it's a DC Black Label book, but it's also um, it's it's so complex visually. Yeah. Uh, the second issue, uh, Gene Ha did these amazing notes in the back of the issue as well that kind of let you see how... Kelly Sue DeConnick works, how mm-hmm. she kind of, she has a roadmap and lets the artist kind of do what they want as long as they get to the end. And Ha details how he's putting these like invisible faces. I say invisible because like you look at like the way the trees are and you just see trees. But if you look, if you take a step back and look at it, there's a face there. Nice. And he's doing these interesting things where he's showing the gods are kind of mm-hmm. watching over us. Um, this issue is incredibly important too because it's kind of like the beginning of the Amazons. Uh, there is no Amazon culture yet, uh, but there are all these factions that come together. Mm-hmm. And there's some really deep, deeply meaningful um, commentary here about basically how women are subjugated by men and have been uh, throughout history. And there's a reason why there needs to be an, uh, an Amazon culture. These mm-hmm. women, these strong women that can lead them their own. Without being like in this issue, there is just a bunch of women that are slaves uh, that are rescued, right? And they they end up becoming the first Amazons uh, thanks to Hippolyta, uh freeing them. Yeah, it's I mean it's this beautiful moment of revolution, right? Like yeah, it's it's yeah. yeah it's really exciting stuff. Oh man, and Becky Cloonan did a variant. It's just out of this. Oh yeah, good. yeah, that was <laughs> this issue. Snakes and stuff. I can't wait till this is collected. I think there's one more issue, mm-hmm. but it's going to be like this is going to be one of those books you want to have on your bookshelf for sure. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, what do you want to put on your bookshelf with number four? Number four. four, four. four. Uh, well, one <laughs> mine is is a book. Yeah, uh, I what? went with what? Uh, Retroactive by Ibrahim oh. Mustafa. Uh, cool. I absolutely loved this graphic novel, this this OGN from Humanoids. Uh, we've also got Brad Simpson on colors and uh, lettering by Hassan Otsman Elhal. Uh, j- the team from uh, Count uh, from last year, which is yeah. uh, another fave of mine. Uh, but we had uh, we had Ibrahim on the show, uh, what, about a month, two months ago, something like that. Time yep. has no meaning anymore. Um, and as he would describe it, this book is uh, Groundhog Day meets James Bond. Uh, and that is like a recipe for success, in my opinion. Um, this is a really interesting book about uh, uh, duty and family. And and it, it manages to tie all of these uh very relatable and heady, you know, uh, uh, excuse me, it manages to tie all of these like very relatable concepts and feelings and emotions into a very intricate time loop story. Um, yeah. It, you know, he kind of creates some of his own rules, but also keeps them like va- just vague enough that, you know, we don't have to worry about, you know, placing all the puzzle pieces together, but they all do work. Like there is a, <laughs> There is a, a a a real 
uh, satisfaction to turning the final page of this book and just being like, damn, this like full mm. literally came full circle. Uh, and it's it's uh, it's just so, so pleasing for fans of time travel fiction, because so often these can become overly convoluted or not thought out well enough, you know, and I, and I right, think right. I think he hits that sweet spot where this is like, you know, it feels like an elevated summer blockbuster uh, with just really cool tech, really interesting uh, uh, characters and uh, I, I want to, I want a sequel now. I, I want, I want, <laughs> I want it. I want it. I, I want, want it. Time, I want time travel. I want Count to show up. Like I want, I want a oh, big, yeah. I want a Shared crossover. Universe. Let's get a crossover going. Um, but yeah, uh, retroactive. Go check it out. Also, uh, go check out his, uh, his first, uh, his, his other OGN Jaeger was uh, re-released this year, or released in print for the first time. Uh, so that's really exciting as well. You can order that now with like a bunch of different fair. There's a Phil Hester variant that just slaps. Nice. Yeah. Let's check that out. It's interesting. I'm, I'm realizing we've had a lot of these people in our list as guests sure. <laughs> on this well, show. And I think sometimes <laughs> being able to talk to somebody about their craft, like ele- even makes you more excited about a story, right? Like yeah, we've had yeah. that happen a few times where like we've talked to somebody and been like, man, I loved this book already. Mm-hmm. But hearing you talk about it with so much, you know, uh, excitement and optimism, it just really it like jazzes you up, right? Oh, totally. So we have we've had six people on our on our two our both of our lists mm-hmm. on the show. That means we need to fill out the re- the rest of this year. We have to get the rest of these people on the show. Absolutely, that's a, that's a new rule. Let's do it. New rules. <laughs> Dave's third pick. Nice house on the lake, number seven through nine. Uh, James Tynan and Alvaro Martinez Bueno with colors by Jordi Belair. Uh, I'm fairly certain this is probably on a lot of people's lists. Um, This book is so good. This this series is like, it has like a cumulative effect on you, right? Totally, yeah. And God, it's got to be one of the most addictive because you're like, what the hell is going on? (laughs) It's horror, but at the same time, it's not that scary on some scale. It's, It's more unnerving and... Uh, disturbing. Oh, yeah, it gets under your skin. I mean, this is the kind of this book is a nightmare on the page. Yeah, yeah. it's a stress dream on on the page. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, and, and part of the stress is also like, give us answers. I want to sure, know what's going sure. On. Uh, these uh, last three issues have uh, been quite interesting because our main characters' minds were wiped right. from knowing what happened in, in the real world. Uh, it's not much of a spoiler to know this because it's th- in the first issue, but right. Uh, I guess all of Earth's on fire and most everyone like melted. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know if it's aliens or demons or what. And that's one of the mysteries you want to, uh, me personally, I want to get, but mm-hmm. uh, so resolved. Um, these three issues though, um, I think Bel Air and Bueno work so well together. Yeah. The use of color is just out of this world. It's, it's almost unnoticeable, but when you mm-hmm. take a second look, like, She's just putting like streaks of blue on someone's face or red over right. here, there. Well, she's really and... taking advantage of the glass house, yeah. Like yeah. there's like there there's that panel you had on uh Kapow moment like last week or week before last where they were walking past the pool, the like with the glass window. And it's just little yeah. things like that streaks of light to uh you know, just even suggest, you know, a translucent surface. There's just the the, the detail in this is wild. It is. It really is. And I mean, we don't, we're in, they're in this like magical world. This, uh, their, they thought there was their friend is actually this alien creature, whatever. Yeah. 
has created for them. It, like maybe a pocket these dimension, streaks, basically. Yeah, maybe these streaks of color are because it's actually, that's mm-hmm. literal, but who knows. But um, yeah, Bueno's uh, ability to draw facial expressions is so real. It's practically yeah. got one foot, you know, a TV show, a live action HBO produced, sure. really good miniseries. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a show in the next five or 10 years. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and Tynan, I mean, come on. The dude retired from Batman comics yeah. to do his own things, mm-hmm. and he's just hitting these new horror on his Substack. This mm-hmm. is continuing, like I, he's he's the leader in horror comics right now. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I would say like he he absolutely does not slow down. Tynan, uh, I would say Tynan, Cullen Bunn, uh, Lemire, like they're they're just constantly churning out new and big ideas in in horror. Totally. Yeah, I mean, I was actually considering the passageway on my list, but since it's just the start of their horror right. universe, sure. I wasn't, I didn't quite feel it yet. I still I'm need to read for that. I'm, I'm very excited about it. Yeah, it came out this week, mm-hmm. uh, a few days ago. But basketball, what is your third pick? Give me, give me, give me the. I love that skit. My number three pick is Spider Punk number one by Cody Ziegler and Justin Mason, and I gotta say, Dave. Uh-oh. I, I I'm smiling ear to ear just saying the word spider punk. <laughs> I I, okay. I I'm fully picking this because it is I think the most just sheer joy I've felt reading a number one all year. Mm-hmm. I I have I, I love this character, I love this creative team. The the jokes are great, the action is unbelievable, the page layouts are interesting. The, the fights are just so uh, there's there's so much kinetic energy in every page and in every movement and the fact that the heroes take themselves seriously even when nobody else does is just so full it, it fully uh, embraces what makes spider-man great and what makes punk rock great <laughs> yeah uh, you know it's it's like what if what if Peter Parker, knew he was awesome. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And mm-hmm. and 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 extended that love to other people uh, early in his career. He he could have he could have had his shit together like Hobie Brown does. <laughs> and yeah. um there's just there's consistently great references to punk music, uh really great character designs. The redesign of the Taskmaster is one of my favorite reveals of the year in comics. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, man, I just, uh, this book just makes me really happy. Nice. Yeah. Uh, it's, again, it's like taking these swings that not every comic does, right? Mm-hmm. Man, um, I mean, this is a book where, this is a book where Captain America, Captain Anarchy, sorry, and yeah. Spider-Punk beat up Craven the Hunter, a, a neo-Nazi in this version, while yelling Nazi punks fuck off. And like, <laughs> I can't tell you how great that is. It's so great. It's so great. Yeah, and then the music elements too are just so yeah. cool too. And Cody, like uh, Cody Ziegler, I is just like I, I can't wait to see what he like. I want him to keep working at Marvel. I can't wait to see what he does mm. next. Like yeah. his 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 Miles stories, his Ben Riley stories. Anything, anytime he touches the Spider Family, I'm very happy about it. Um, oh, I'm totally. Really digging. I'm really looking forward to. Uh, who knows? It might be, end up being on my top ten this year, but I'm really looking forward to the finale of What If Miles Morales because he's writing yeah. this big, uh, you know, miles of different universes teaming up story. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, which he talked about on this show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. 
Oh my God, we're in the final stretch we're here. Our there. top two favorite comics of the year. <gasps> Dave, so far. What was your two? Oh my God, my two. Oh my God, it's three. And it's nothing but net. Nightwing number 88 through 92. The basketball uh, metaphors won't stop. Tom no. Taylor, Bruno Redondo. Um, so what's interesting is... Because uh, this, this is a stretch full arc, of, right? Uh, yeah, 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 it is, pretty much. I mean, it's kind of an ongoing from those, their start, which I think was 82. Yeah. But uh, it's funny, like, the issue before this, which actually came out end of December, right. is, that, is that issue that Redondo drew that was all double-page splashes of Nightwing, like, swinging through the city and stuff. Mm-hmm. That doesn't count, though. That was 2021. This stretch of comics, though, um, it was one of the only, I think I only gave out ten, uh, five, ten out of tens this year so far, and I write, I've written something like 200 reviews. Yeah. Um, Nightwing number 88 was a 10 out of 10, and it was, uh, it was actually two tens in a row for me for Nightwing, because this issue just continues to show how incredible Redondo is yeah. at layout design. Yeah. And... Just he's playing with the space in ways that he's he's clearly like not just going to give you like a nine panel grid or a three pa whatever. He's not trying to just get it over with. Like he's doing stuff here where your eye just naturally moves from left to right or top to bottom or playing with um, the gutters and how like sound effects pop in. Um, and this uh, this first issue in, in, in this uh, in the arc that came out this year has Flash uh, appearing, and it's sort of like got this Super Friends feel because Nightwing isn't alone out there. He's got plenty of w ways of uh, getting a little extra help when uh, there's some extra super villain uh, abilities at him. Mm -hmm. um, and Blockbuster continues to be a threat. The series is also doing a really good job. Like he, When Alfred died, what was it, like four years ago? We all assumed he'd be back in like three months. Right. He's still dead, and... Yeah. You know, not a lot of people have done much with that. We've seen Damien kind of dealing with mm -hmm. um, losing a parental figure. But uh, Tom Taylor here is doing some interesting things where, yeah. you know, Dick got all of Alfred's money. <laughs> and then he's going to take it and do something with it. Right. And uh, honoring uh, Alfred and what he meant to him and what he meant to helping others, it's, it's really empowering. And it's cool to see... A character fall off and die in a in a superhero uh, world right. and not be like forgotten and then just brought, brought back to life right away, which and, typically is what happens. Yeah, it, it it really is like it really leans into the legacy of the character and and what he meant to everyone in in his reach. Right, totally. Um, but yeah, it's it's I, I've seen creators, other creators, like um, well, I won't name names, but I've seen other creators pop into. Tom Taylor's tweets about Nightwing and they're like, it's just not fair how good this series is. Like, <laughs> I've written superior comics for decades yeah. and you're just crushing every issue. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, they're just hitting it on all cylinders and yeah, the sky's the limit. I mean, what's well, funny. They, I've even seen people rip on the book and they're saying things where I'm like, I can't imagine how you could think that's a bad thing. You know what I mean? Like, right. Right. Like I right. saw, I've seen tweets, you know, I've seen people comparing it to, Fraction and uh, Aja's uh, Hawkeye. I've seen people. Oh, oh right, right. And I've seen yeah. people compare it to uh, Mark Wade and Chris Samney's Daredevil. And I'm like, so what you're saying is uh, <laughs> it's doing the thing that you liked in two of the right. best superhero runs of all time. <laughs> right. Know? So yeah, I, I'm not a, I, I don't, I don't really get what the issue is here, man. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's ability to like pace out character work too. Um, which is probably why they were referencing that. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, they, these two just came off that Suicide Squad run that was amazing as well. Yeah, really in, great in stuff. In a similar way. I mean, there's a there's a scene where one of the characters in that series is like about to get punched in the face by a bat, and then he pulls up a puppy and puts it in front of him. He's like, puppy! <laughs> right. And then Batman has to stop. Like, just like a super clever idea that probably would actually work. Yeah. Stuff oh, like yeah. That. Batman's not going to hit a dog unless it's no. the Dark Knight. No. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> or Azrael. Yeah. Uh, God. What? Though, was your second favorite book of the year? Uh, my second favorite book of the year was The Good Asian Number 10 by Pornsock Hitchitshoat uh, and Alexandra Tefingi. This, I, if I'm being honest, is more of a uh, nod toward the whole run. I mean, the number 10 of The Good Asian does what every great final issue should do. It wraps up the story in a in a satisfying way while still leaving some threads to follow for an, another series. Um, it it recontextualizes the entire book. I mean, it, it really, it is the perfect noir ending as well, because it's a whole lot of putting all the pieces together, uh, understanding how everything lines up, and then still having, you know, the hero doesn't necessarily feel great about the victory at the end of the day, but he has yeah. cracked the case. Uh and I and I gotta say, like this is just this has been from the from the get go one of my favorite books of the last five years. I mean, this whole series has been fantastic. Um, I I'm a little I'm kicking myself because I didn't catch up on the most recent like four issues or so until last week. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm, but you know, better late than never. <laughs> hey, you had a lot going on, dude. You were I, in a play. You was, were moving. I was moving. Yeah, <laughs> but I I was very glad to finally catch up with this. And I the the. I love, I adore uh, Tefingi's page layouts. He does some really Mm. interesting things. There's a scene in the final issue where a character, uh, one of our main characters just is kind of broken and done and she walks away and each panel is smaller, showing her getting small, like showing both her like emotional state and the fact that she's further away. It just kind of hammers that home visually. Um, I also, I adore Lee Luffridge's, uh, colors throughout this mm. series. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, the work that Luffridge does with, uh, flashbacks in particular, because this being a noir story, there are like six different flashback narratives happening at all times, <laughs> essentially. And yeah. each one is, uh, is denoted by a, a change in color palette, um, and uh, it's just this is a an incredible story of uh, self acceptance uh, or, or or even the impossibility of self acceptance and the, mm-hmm. the 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 sacrifices people will make in order to survive. Um, right. You know, Edison Hark, the the main character, is constantly code switching to keep himself alive, and this is like a. Uh, this is hammered home by this really great metaphor in the final issue where the characters discuss chop suey, uh, a, a, you know, a dish created in America in Chinatown to try to make Chinese food palatable to Americans. Yeah. And it's, and it really is like their, their way of saying like, we always someday, hopefully someday we won't have to, you know, lessen ourselves to exist here. But, you know, for now, this is all we can do to get by. And I I and I also have to say, like, 
It's dealing mm. with these heady themes, but it's also telling this incredible action, you know, packed storyline, a great mystery that is is clearly deeply researched and deeply personal. And I don't know that I've read four words on a page that excited me this much this year than Edison Hark will return. <laughs> <laughs> I nice. man, I am so I can't wait to see where this story goes next. Uh, but as it stands, it's one of the best detective books in years. It really is, yeah. I mean, it, it really does such an incredible job with the noir mm-hmm. themes. I mean, we when we talked to him, gosh, how many months ago? It was back, uh, uh, I think it was last <laughs> February, maybe? Right, before yeah. it even came out, started coming out. Like, the ability to use color in a noir way yes. was so fascinating yeah. to both of us, I think. Uh, and then also, like, the historical elements, the back matter materials mm-hmm. that gave you insight into into uh, the real history that is yeah. actually playing out in a, you know, a fictional story. It's it's maybe my favorite noir comic since Darwin Cook's Parker adaptations. I, mm. I mean, like, it's that good. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Probably yeah. better. Like, I, I just really adored this series. Super good, yeah. Um, um, but mm. we've reached oh my God. the final countdown. No, I don't want it to end. I want to keep going. Well, unfortunately, we <laughs> all if we... great things. But would we just keep saying like negative one? <laughs> what if we ranked every comic we read? No thanks. <laughs> no one would want to listen. No to that. thanks. <laughs> We'd still be recording next year. Uh, that's true. That's true. Uh, my favorite uh, book of the year was a graphic novel from mm-hmm. TKO Studios, uh, "The Forgotten Blade," by T Z D Chun and. Tony Fazula. I adored this story. I gave it a 10 out of 10. I'm one of my other 10 out of 10s of the year. Uh, it's a bit of a cheat in a sense, I guess, because it's not just 20 pages. It's a, right. a full epic. And epic is the name of the game with the series. It takes on this like hero's journey, the reluctant hero who has a sword. And uh, what Love, is this? You got futurist- to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's this futuristic setting um, where... People think there's like basically a god in this tower when it, yeah. it could be anything but. Um, the people are subjugated after a great war, and he is set on this sort of quest to go and kill God essentially. And um, it's just incredible, incredibly yeah. well drawn. the 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 environments and stuff I could see like these being put up into a, in a in an art museum. They're so cool and fascinating just to look at. Yes, and they're yeah. Just like every page is a perfect print. <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah yeah and uh it they it, like any good fantasy quest they encounter mm-hmm. creatures along the way and they have to get through that and there's great edge of your seat uh action and excitement yeah um amazing imaginative ideas uh i don't know if this could ever be adapted into film or tv i know oh man um, i think it's perfect for this format i i think this is one yeah. of those stories where you're just like this is this is meant for the page I mean, Chun, uh, he's also the co-founder of TKO and publisher right. of TKO Studios, who has a bunch of um, credits in TV and movies. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's uh, he's been he's behind um, that new Gremlins animated show. Right. I can't HBO. wait. That looks so fun. So I've always thought like, oh, is TKO just one of those like publishers that's like trying to like kickstart projects for film or TV? But yeah. so far there really hasn't, I don't think there has been any project. No, been... I, I, like every TKO book I've read is huge ideas and yeah, like yeah, expansive yeah, yeah. storytelling and things that feel ta- like feel like they were meant to be graphic novels. Absolutely. And I think the Forgotten Blade just got like a, a new release uh, a week or two ago mm-hmm. in paperback. So... 
uh, a lot of different ways to get that book. Yeah, they've too, got but... a they've got a graphic novel version, and they've got a you can actually buy a box set with the six separate yeah. uh, paperbacks, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, TKO only puts out I think three to six maybe yeah. uh, collections, and they always come out uh, fully finished, which is quite cool. But uh, for sure, this is probably my favorite TKO book yet, and there's been a, some really high bar uh, books coming out from them. Oh yeah. Yeah, if you like fantasy and action and like the hero's journey kind mm -hmm. of epic with a complete story, pick up The Forgotten Blade. Definitely. Number one, number one, number one, number one. That's a good song. That's it's probably annoying song. everyone. No, I like it. So, And that's all that's important. 98% uh, of people who listen to that song like it. <laughs> Uh, my favorite book of the year uh, I spoiled during last week's episode. Yes. Um, but I loved, loved Galaxy, The Prettiest Star by Jadzia Axelrod and Jess Taylor. Um, this is just such a beautiful story. Uh, I, I'm immediately slipping back into, oh my God, I love this book <laughs> mode. But yeah, I, yeah, I, was, yeah. I, was, I was telling a friend of mine they were, because they knew I was like really excited and a little nervous about the interview. And they were yeah. like, how did it go? And I was like, oh, I spent most of the, and I've never, I feel like I've never done this before, where I spent most yeah. of the interview just being like, I think you're great. <laughs> I think this <laughs> is great. Um, and they were like, no, keep, keep no, saying absolutely. it. Absolutely. <laughs> Go for it. Um, yeah. This is a, 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 a DC graphic novel for young adults. Uh, it is in continuity, but you don't have to know anything else uh, about DC comics to dive in and enjoy this story. Mm -hmm. um, it just kind of gives it a little more, you know, flavor, a little bit more texture to the world. But uh, what you are getting is a beautiful story about identity and acceptance and, uh, and, and finding the power in recognizing who you are and who you're meant to be. Mm. Um, and uh, just some really lovely uh, character work uh, and and a book that like I am so so glad that we had the chance to read and talk about with the creators, um, yeah. and uh, please I mean I I feel like I'd just be repeating myself. Please go back and, and listen to our interview from last week uh, where we dig into all things Galaxy. But it is uh, just a, a absolutely stellar piece of work. And we're getting more Galaxy. I yep. Yes, and they much like, say much, but much like the good Asian, I'm just like, when give it, <laughs> hand it over. <laughs> I'm really curious about the Dreamer project too. Yes, yeah. Nicole Maines basically said, uh, you know, Dreamer and uh, and Galaxy, Galaxy are going to meet up at some point. Yeah, exactly. And I, we said this on the show last week mm -hmm. as well. Like, I mean, representation matters. Trans characters are so limited. And given the yeah, climate the, in our country where we're yeah. punishing children with bills from every Rust Belt state, yeah. characters like this can reach children in those states that feel like they're being attacked day and in it, and day And out. it has felt like that representation has been limited until very recently. I mean, the fact yeah. that, uh, and Jadzia said this, like the fact that there are two... Uh, you know, high profile trans characters on in DC Comics books, both of whom are like out this, you know, in books this month, you know, uh, and are actual characters. They're not, you know, they're mm -hmm. not there just to pay lip service. This is an actual story and there are plans to keep these stories going. I just, I love that so much. Um, and uh, yeah, like you said, it is, it is important. It is, it's important for, 
for 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 young trans people to be able to see themselves on the page and it's so important for these stories to be told um and th- there is there's so much honesty and truth in every single panel of this book and that's even i didn't even get into how Mm. gorgeous jess taylor's artwork is they did such an incredible job uh you know showing us how uh, galaxy's powers work and and the the facial expressions on these characters are are sometimes heartbreaking i mean i legitimately and I, I don't think I can say this about anything else that I, I read this year. I cried like three times, like reading yeah. this book. I mean, it, it is just so moving. And 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 uh, and I just, man, I, I can't recommend it enough. It is my favorite comic I've read this year. And it's going to be uh, very difficult for anything to push it out before the end of the year. To be 100%, if you didn't put it on your list, I would have put it on mine. Sure. <laughs> Since it was on yours, I, we can talk about it, and it's definitely worthy of top tier. Yes. Just so well written, too. Like, it's mm-hmm. so uh, like so often a book can be really good, but there has boring bits, or there has bits that don't make sense, or right. feel unnatural. The relationships feel unnatural in this. Um, the pace is great. And, like, I think you even said this uh, last week, like, there isn't, like, a big soup. Maybe you said it off mic. Yeah. There isn't some big superhero fight at the end. No. And yet it's still as impactful. But it is all about that feeling of something's always breathing down your neck, right? Like yeah. like you she she lives with this anxiety and this fear of of living her life, living who as who she is and and having to finally confront this thing of like I I have to live on my own terms or I'm not alive. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, I yeah. have to be who I am, and it's uh, it's just <laughs> I love this book so much, man. I am so happy that we uh, we 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 covered it because it it, it mm. totally missed me when it came out, and I you know I uh, you know like you said I had a whole lot of stuff going on, but boy, yeah. I still feel like I lost so much time not reading this <laughs> like three weeks ago when it came out. So don't be like us. Go pick don't, it up right now. Go get it right now. <laughs> don't waste another second. Oh, man. Well, so those are our top 12 comics of the year so far. Uh, Really quick, a couple highlights coming up um, just to look into the future a little bit. Uh, That could be great. Uh, Books like the Hellfire Gala one-shot might be really cool. There's some really good artists attached, like Mm -hmm. um, Chris Anka. Mm -hmm. Uh, Batman is kicking off in July with uh, Chip Zdarsky and Jorge Jimenez starting their run. Chip has said, uh, I think he did an interview with Scott Snyder actually a week mm-hmm. or so ago where he was like, I keep pitching things saying this is a three-year thing I'm doing. It's going to it's going to pay off in three years or two years. Oh, wow. And they keep saying yes, yes, yes. Hell like yeah. he is, That's great. It's rare in, in the modern comic age where a creator stays on one book for a very, very long time, sure. it seems like, unless there are the caliber of like a Chip Zdarsky or Scott Snyder that right. are, are given carte blanche, which... Uh, which is great because it just it makes it more fulfilling to read. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marvel's coming out with their Axe Judgment Day event in July. Don't know if that's going to be great or not, <laughs> but it's we'll the see. X-Men versus the Eternals yeah. versus the Avengers. It's a showdown of the ages. Um, and then there's the Edge of Spider-Verse uh, miniseries that's coming out in August mm-hmm. where Dan Slott rejoins the Spider-Man uh, you know, team of sorts. And, yeah. Uh, explores uh, the Spider-Verse a little bit more. And I think that's leading to some cataclysmic finale, uh, probably starting off in January, around when the next movie comes out. 
uh, yeah, and I, I would say in the meantime, also, uh, you know, ask DC Comics where uh, Swamp Thing Green Hell number two ended <laughs> up. Uh, right. Not sure what's happening with that. But yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of great books coming up, a lot of really great indie books as well. Um, really looking forward to the new Creep Show comic series. Yeah, that's gonna be cool. Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot to look forward to in the second half of the year. So that's it for the show. Make sure to like, subscribe, give us a review. It helps the show so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at No Socialize. And where can they find you, Nathan? At What a Story, Nate. Isn't it though? Isn't yeah. it? <laughs> what a story, Nate. You're so great. Well, anyway, till next week. Thanks so much for listening. Be good, guys. <laughs>